Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. In school, it's just not encouraged. We're crying out for young people to do apprenticeships. What you need to do is be on my side. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. They sent me on for psychiatric assessment, and they said that the thing that's going to fix it is housing. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Seriously, there's hardly a day goes by now that a report doesn't come in to us through one of the various channels of thuggery and violence and frightening scenes in our city centre. We'll get to that a bit later in the hour. Yet another incident where children were frightened and bystanders looked on wondering what the hell is going on here. Our city is gone very, very, very rough. Another incident reported to us uh, overnight and yesterday. Good morning, 0818 96 96 96. Later on, also talking to Mary Lou MacDonald, uh, leader of Sinn Féin. I'm trying to find out what they would do about the cost of living crisis because crisis is the only word for it. Uh, the lads were talking on breakfast this morning and I passed the same garage. There is a garage in Douglas that has uh, something 224 now for a litre of unleaded and the average around town is anything between 204 and 214 depending on where you go and I put some uh, petrol into my little car the other day. I think I made 217 for a litre of petrol. It's gone bananas and then we have the price of food, because of the price of transport, the price of food is going up and up, tick up, tick up, tick up, tick up, tick up. And then we see that the European Central Bank is sticking up mortgage rates by a quarter of a percent this month, quarter percent next month. Look, half a percent might mean nothing to you, but on a sizable mortgage, it means extra money per month. And the Irish Daily Mail this morning, its front page is onslaught on cost of living. ECB interest rate rises will mean mortgage holders paying hundreds more while the price of fuel, food and energy soars. And you have to wonder just... 
how much more of this ordinary families A can take and B are going to be expected to take. Christian McCashin is writing about this in the Daily Mail this morning. Hi Christian. Good morning, how are you? The ECB has been explaining itself the last couple of days that these upcoming interest rates, rates, interest rate hikes are to try to tone down the, the inflation surge. But all they're going to do is take more money out of ordinary people's pockets. This is the worry because inflation is not being caused by excess demand. People looking to buy things that there aren't enough of and outbidding each other which ordinary pushes up prices. This inflation is being caused by energy prices going up. Mm. That's the root cause is the conflict in Ukraine. And when energy prices go up, it pushes up the price of everything else because you have to transport things to the shop from the factory. And when that goes up, everything there's a knock-on effect on everything, as we're seeing in the moment, at the moment in the shops. Mm. So the ECB moves in with two quarter of one percent rate. Now at the moment, the central bank rate in your uh, ECB it's it's negative. So the first one will just bring it up to zero. The next one will bring it up to a quarter of a percent. But in the average, well, this, the rate, second one actually the second rate could be 0.5 percent. Yeah, there's been a hint that it could be 0.5. You've been doing some analysis on what will that will mean to the average mortgage payment? Well, if you are on uh, um, an average mortgage, which for many people around the country would be about 250, 300,000, that would mean up to around 1,400 over the 12 months extra you would pay on your mortgage. And that's if you're on an average rate at the moment and it goes up by quarter percent and then another half percent. And you've got to find that money after you've paid the tax on your wages. Mm. So you, you, you actually, actually, actually have to earn about 2000 or 2500 to cover that. Mm. The general feeling as well seems to be, Christian, that this is going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, yeah that's the fear. That is the fear. Um, I mean, food prices are going up, as I say, and that's being pushed by the cost of energy and also the fact that fertiliser prices are going crazy, all brute cause again the invasion of Ukraine and that's pushing up farmers' costs so they then have to push those prices on to the retailer mm. and they push them on to us. Now what are the government saying in response to, to all of this? They, they tell us and they have told us repeatedly, well we've pumped nearly three billion already into trying to keep you know keep a lid on it um, and we can't chase inflation and we'll do more in the budget in October. but it's getting urgent now they're going to have a lot of pressure on them to move and do something. There is. I mean, already they've they've cut the duty on fuel. Now, they're ham hamstrung in VAT rates because of the ECB and the European Union we're a member of, um, that they can't fiddle with those, but they cut duty on fuel. So we're actually paying less tax on fuel now than we were a few months ago, even though the price of the pumps is over two euro for diesel and unleaded, we're actually paying less tax. Mm. And that's going to keep it, going up as well. Well, it goes up because uh, VAT is 
levied on the total amount at the end. So, but as a percentage in total, we're paying less mm. in tax. But that was only a temporary measure, I think. Whether that becomes permanent or not, that duty cut, we shall see. Because, mm. uh, God forbid, the day comes when they have to put that duty back up. Mm. I wouldn't want to be that finance minister. No. You were speaking to Dara Cassidy from bonkers.ie. Yeah. And, and I think his big worry, and I think it's a lot of people's big worry, food inflation, the ordinary staple foodstuffs of the commoner garden larder, as it were. Yeah, I mean, potatoes, beef, meat, this is all down to the cost, as I mentioned earlier, that farmers and farms and producers are seeing, and that they have to keep their margins, they have to make their living, so they pass on the costs to the farm gate prices, which then pass on to the dealers, which pass on to the supermarkets, which then pass on to us. And the pressure is already up on places like St Vincent de Paul. More and more people saying, I can't afford my groceries, I can't afford to eat. Yeah, they're, they're inundated with requests for help at the moment. And thank God they're there for many people. Mm. What are the Great po- organisation. Absolutely. What are the political observers saying, Christian? Like, Is the government in a position to do anything or is it just going to have to you know, plead with us to, to, to I don't know, sit this out. What is going to... Because I know a lot of people... I mean, look, th- those of us who are lucky enough to be to be well-paid and in good, stable jobs, you, we can sustain an amount of this. But I'm thinking of ordinary families with very ordinary jobs in very ordinary workplaces are already struggling and they've not looked at back to school, they've not looked at school uniforms or anything like that and everything is going... Like, what what is going to happen? Goodness knows. I mean, it, it's a tough time out there. And the, the government has done what it can by cutting duty and things on fuel. But the government is not a bottomless pit of cash. Yes. Um, you know, they're up to their eyes in debt as well, as That's we right. well know from the, from the uh, pandemic supports. Um, so I don't think we should be looking to the government to bail us out of this. They can help. And they can urge us to do things. And they, as I said, they did cut the uh, fuel duty recently. But relying on the government to compensate us for every price increase is a fool's errand, I think. Mm, that's the economic fact. Because the yeah, more, they tell you, the more you chase inflation, the more inflation gets away from you. That's an unfortunate mm. economic fact. Yeah. It's it, and the more inflation goes up, when it comes to things like fuel, it pushes every other area as well. Because, as I said, you have to transport every everything involves being moved somewhere along the line to get that product into the shop, to get that bread into the shop. You have to deliver it there to get it from the farmer to the to the processor it has to be delivered, and. The situation we're in at the moment is not going to go away quickly. I mean, oil, crude oil is at record prices now. Mm-hmm. And we we see at the fuel pumps, both diesel and petrol, over two euro a litre. I mean, could you imagine paying that sort of fuel price a few years ago? You'd have, you'd have dri- dri- driven away from a garage pay, charging that much. You would. You, you wouldn't would. have paid it, but now it's become the norm. You just have to... Suck it up and see. Mm. Do, do you foresee civil unrest? Because a lot of people are talking about it. 
I, I hadn't heard that sort of talk, and uh, I, I personally don't. No. Um, that would be uh, that would be a frightening prospect. Protests, maybe. Protests, but I don't think civil unrest. But I mean, who do we protest to? Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, because the price increases at the moment are out of our hands. Yes. I mean, we don't produce our own oil. Yes. We produce a certain amount of gas, but then the price of that is dictated on the international markets. Yes. Yes, so it's a, it's a it's a strange and difficult situation. We're through the looking glass on this, I think. True, and the looking glass isn't very clear as to what's on the other side. Thank you very much, Christian McCashin of the Irish Daily Mail. They've excellent analysis of it today. Front page and a major feature on page four of the paper where they go through quite a lot of Q&As and they've got some uh, tables of how much your mortgage will be affected and all of that. But as Christian said... And you have to kind of acknowledge it. You can't chase every price increase. You just can't. Because one of the true economic facts of, in, of inflation, and if you read a Leaving Cert economics book or a first-year college economics book, you will get the certain sense that chasing inflation is not safe. Because if you chase inflation, inflation runs away from you. Do I, 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 I worry very, very much. John says, where are the national protests that happened with, say, water or PAYE in the 70s or in France? People need to organise. Where's the anger gone? Problem is, John, and I, I, there's a lot of anger out there. There's not a lot of frustration. And the biggest and most frustrating thing is this is not something we can control. That tends to be, we, we don't, the government has a certain amount of movement it can make. Its argument is already made that movement. It'll make more when it can make more. But there's not a lot we can do here. I'll be asking Mary Lou MacDonald about that after 10. Does she feel there is more that could be done? And if she had the purse strings in the morning, what she would do? That's to come. They can Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. The Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question. There's the latest celebrity goss. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With CarMax Used Cars Supermarket. Dublin Road for Moyne. Great deals on hundreds of cars. Just a short drive from the tunnel. Visit C-A-R-M-A-X-X. CarMax.ie. On Cork's. 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 On Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, Kate says, where are the moves on wages? I bet the moneylenders are rubbing their hands in glee. Aaron, oh, it's quite easy. Get the government to cut USC. It was only meant to be temporary. I honestly can't believe we're letting this happen and not taking to the streets. The government, F says, the government had a golden opportunity over the past few years to take away the so-called emergency tax, namely USC, but failed to do so to have given families extra regular room for now. Both a, a lot of people say that about just knock off that USC, get rid of that so-called temporary USC. 
it's a, it's a thought. It's a certain. I certainly wouldn't like to see that taken off my wages. It's an awful kick in the teeth you get every every month. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six to Castle Marcher, Liz Maddox. Liz, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thank now, you for having me. The health centre in Castle Marcher. I know it's been they've been running it down a bit since two thousand and nine or twenty nineteen, but has it closed completely now? Well, here's the thing, PJ. If we go, if we go back, I have to go back a little bit. Before 2019, um, I went in there and the waiting room was full of boxes and they said we couldn't sit in there. So I said, why Why? Are, why is all these boxes in the waiting room? It's a fire risk. Um, and they, they were waiting at the time. They said, oh, we're trying to pressure the HSE to to spend some money on it and, and you know, do it up and extend it or whatever. So they were putting the boxes in the waiting room just to, I to put a bit of pressure on or whatever. Anyway... That went on for a long time, and then we got the news that it wasn't going to be upgraded and that it was going to close. So I personally, and, and our Castle Martyr Family Carers Group, we went out there and we campaigned successfully, and we kept it open. And it was open until it's well, been open all along, actually. Um, now, uh, so I'm looking here now, and the statement from a spokesman from the HSC, so let's just be correct about that, from the Cork and Kerry Community Health Centre has said... The building is old and we had significant concerns about the lack of space there as well as health and safety concerns. The building has no wheelchair access and no wheelchair accessible toilets. A very small room mm. which is not suitable for modern healthcare. So, I think we have the same statement actually here. Right, yeah. so yeah. here's my thing. And it also says uh, no services have been provided in the centre since 2019. Well, we went into COVID, so that's why we went into COVID. Yes, we've we've all been going up there. We get up, PJ. We get um, we get dressings and gloves and things that we need for our patients. That centre covers um, Castlemaire, McGeeley, Ladiesbridge, um, John Gorney. It covers a wide, huge area. So um, I will take them in there personally myself, and I will show them where they could put a disabled toilet and and a ramp. Would take them what half a day to put a wheelchair ramp in. So, you know, those excuses don't wash with me. And then you go down then, which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, and they go down then and they say that there are plans for opening a new health care centre in Ballamacoda, which is only six miles down the road. Um, Why would you put a new health care centre in Ballamacoda, which is less than half the population of the population they're already dealing with in this rural area? And the other comment was that we could go into Middleton or York to pick up what we needed for our patients. Just, I suppose, Liz, backtrack a little. Your role and, and how your role relates to uh, this health centre. So, so what do you do? Well, I would go up there, uh, many of us would, and if we need um, dressings um, uh, for, for the people that we're looking after or older people need to go in there to, to get something... It would be open an hour every morning, PJ. It was open. It's only an hour every morning. Um, and you get that time to go up there. I mean, it, the home helps run in and out of there. The home help organiser sits in there and organises all the home help for all this rural area. So um, it says in the statement that it's been moved to Middleton. And your question is, 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 I can't even answer, PJ. We never had any news of what's happened. There's a phone number on the door. An older person went up there on Tuesday morning and rang me and said, Liz, um, is the health centre closed? I can't get in. 
And I said, well, maybe they're taking Tuesday off after the bank holiday, um, you know, and I'll check. And I went and checked only to find out that it's, it's closed and that everything is out of Middleton or York. The nurses didn't know. I know that the nurses told me they didn't know. Um, and the nurses, it says here, you can call the nurses to come out if you can't make it in. Well, I will be doing that, PJ. Mm. Uh, it's two two euros and eight cent now for petrol. It's twenty euros each way to Middleton or to your. Um, most of the people here are old, sick, and vulnerable. They don't have cars. A lot of them don't have cars. How you're expected to get to Ballamacoda from this all this rural area, yeah. I've no idea. The bus for Ballamacoda is in Middleton. It doesn't come into Casamar. So you know. The HSE statement says there's been no change to visits to people's homes by either public health nurses or home health and that the visits will continue. But I think what you're saying is, yeah, that's all very fine, but where we get our stock, where we get our yeah. supply... It's up the road. It was up the road and it's now it's road. gone. And now, this is Castlemar, PJ. Have you ever tried to get in and out of Castlemar? Oh, I know it only too well. Right. So, nurses now have to travel. My One of my nurses came yesterday from Don Garvin. So she's got to come all the way from John Garvin into Castlemire to bring me stuff that I could run up the road and get. This is the most ridiculous, cost-effective rubbish I've ever heard in my life. And I just, I just don't get how you can sit in a meeting. Have they even got a map? I don't even know if they've ever been in the village. And the excuse they've given for closing that building down that's been there over 40 years. The other thing is, PJ, what's going to happen to it? You know, give it back to the community. Give it back to the community here, the older people and the Castle Martyr and family carers, all the people in the area. We'll make use of it. We'll put a wheelchair accessible toilet in there. We'll put a wheelchair ramp Who in there. owns it, Liz? Does oh, the HSE actually own it? We don't know who owns it. This is the thing, PJ. Nobody knows anything about anything. Owner Curra was the same thing. You were banging your head. We've, we've campaigned. We did everything we could to keep Owner Curra open. And all our local reps, Deputy Pat Buckley, Deputy uh, Councillor Liam Quaid, David Stanton, James O'Connor, God love them, they all went down and they bashed their heads on a wall trying to keep Onakura open and it closed. And we have the same thing here, except here is even more mean. You put a, a telephone number on a door over a bank holiday for the people that need you, the sick people and vulnerable people. You put a, a, a phone number on the door. You, you've not written a letter. You haven't explained, hey, guys, we don't actually know, PJ, what we're doing. I don't know. I don't know that I'm to go to Middleton other than this mm. statement. Like a simple thing, Liz, again, bring it down to practical things. You're there in your little car and you need yeah. to pick up stock, we'll say, what, yeah. bandages, dressings, yeah, whatever yeah. you need. Yeah, yeah. So you would normally, for the hour that the place was open, Run up there. You, you'd yeah. go down, get your stock, yeah. stick it in the booty little car, and yeah. away with you. Yeah. Where do you have to go now for the stock? Don't know. I don't know. I, I didn't know until I've read this statement. They're saying Middleton or your. Um, so I really, you know, I really don't know. Or, or I can call the nurse who will come in to me from Don Garvin. And let me tell you something, PJ, that's what I'm doing. Because at Petrol at 208, I am yeah. not running my car, my car insurance, my tax, my, yeah. my everything else for the HSE. If this is what you want to do, then my advice to everybody out there is make sure that they come to your house and they deliver what you need. Because if this is what you want, this is what we'll do. That, that's my, my answer to the... Thank you very much for everybody that's called me. I've had loads of calls, and okay. I told them I'd be on here with you this morning. And our, and our public health nurses are outstanding. The staff at the HSE 
I've dealt with for over 25 years are outstanding. Yeah. Now, this is, this is one we'll follow up with. The statement from, thank you very much, Liz Maddox. Statement from Cork Carry Community Healthcare, HSE, say, the building's old, with significant concerns about the lack of space, health and safety concerns, no wheelchair access, access etc. Uh, they are... There'll be no change to visits to people's homes by either public health nurses or home helps. Yeah, but they've got to go to uh, the other extreme distance away to get their stock. Child health clinics will continue in Middleton and Cloyne. And that's where that stands. If you're in that area and you're affected by it, you know where we are. 0818 96 96 96. I mentioned at the start of the programme, there's hardly a day goes by that we don't get a new report of something happening in our city that is worrisome and frightening to watch. Leah Ann, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. What did you see and when? Um, It was a Tuesday afternoon, about quarter past one. I was in town with my three kids. Um, they're aged 11, 10 and 13 months. So we sat down for food in Tony's Bistro, you know, in the outside area because it was quite full inside. Yeah. So as as we sat down, the kids were colouring. They they bring out the menu to you and they give the kids a colouring sheet. So they were colouring away, waiting for their food, you know. And we just heard loads of shouting and roaring from a distance. So we just sat there and I, I kind of looked up. My son stood up because he could hear it. And you could see there was a woman and a man and they were actually being chased by two other guys, which they had metal chairs in their hands, which they actually took from an on-by seating area, you know, an outside seating area. So they actually, the people they were chasing, ran into Tony's Bistro to get away from it, considering like my 13-month-old son was in the high chair, like at the entrance as you walk in, you know, you know, it was quite tight. So he was on the outside, so he could have got hurt or anything. They had no consideration of any any of that, you know. It was quite frightening. So they actually ran into Tony's Bistro to get away from it, and there was commotion in there for like five minutes, and there was elderly people in there, and all they got an awful fright, PJ. Like, I was in town for like three hours prior to that, and not one guard did I see on the street, you know. Yeah. It needs to be, they need to be patrolling the streets because it's happening every day. My son was absolutely terrified. Sounds like you were fairly terrified yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a, a very awful ordeal. It really was. Yeah, was, like my son now, if I go to shopping, he's no interest in that, you know. He'd go to my mum's house and he'd stay with her, you know. But uh-huh. that day he said, look, I'll come in with your mum and take witness that then, you know. That kind of turned him off. He said, he don't want to go no more, you know. Yeah. yeah this is so a- you wouldn't blame him because no. it was absolutely, oh, he was distraught, you know. So as is- I, you know, I was this is a summer's afternoon, broad daylight. You're sitting having a bite of grub yep. outside Tony's, one of the best places in yep. town for the old bit of grub. And they start, these people, let me paint the picture for listeners. So you've got people chasing each other down the street, swinging outdoor furniture as they go. Yeah. And that outdoor furniture was actually thrown left outside Tony's Bistro on the floor then, you know. And they from ran into Tony's out- And I've no, doubt, I've no doubt the lads inside did everything they could do for them because that's what they would do. They're great people down there. And, and, and did, it, did, it, like, did it just fizzle out, Leanne? Or, or did some... Um, what actually happened, the, the two guys that were actually chasing them, they went in and were calling them out and that, you know, and the staff were trying to hush them out, you know, come on, you have to move. So after all that, they actually did leave the shop and they were kind of shouting and roaring up at Cummins. They walked up towards that way. 
And then, like, I, I was looking to shout and roar and stop because I was saying, Jesus, they're only there, what's going on? They were shaking hands then, PJ, after all that, you know. There's, yeah. like, what is the need for it? They are all shaking hands and they were all best of friends again after all that, you know, after upsetting my kids, myself, and everybody in Tony's Bistro, you know. Okay. It's just, like, a normality to them, you know. And, yeah. like, the same thing could happen with the same people today. You know, I won't. I certainly won't see it anyway because I turned off town. You know, it's well, just not. not a, it's now. not safe anymore. It's not safe anymore. Wow, it's an awful. We thing. definitely have more more guardy anyway patrolling. It's not even more like I, as I said, I was in there three hours and I didn't see one guard on foot. You know, so yeah. we need guard in our city. Definitely. Yeah. Well, we know from talking to yep. their own organisation, the GRA, that we're about a hundred guards short in the city. You see, this is what happens when you're a hundred guards short. I know, I know. That's it. Something definitely needs to be done anyway. You know. Okay, okay Leanne. But, I hope everyone's yeah. okay. I hope everybody's okay. And 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 and, and thank you for that. Through, middle of the afternoon, Tony's Bistro. Great people in there, and I know that when someone is chased into Tony's that they did their best to look after them but this chasing people like, imagine the situation you're sitting there with a child in a high chair and another child sitting next to you having the burger that you've been promising them all through shopping and then they're screaming and roaring and chasing each other down the street with metal chairs in the middle of the day can we just talk the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96, 96, 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Now, a June event that fell foul of COVID for the last two years is an event that I am privileged and honoured to be part of since its inception. And that is the commemoration afternoon for the women and children of Besborough. And it is back this Sunday uh, at Besborough at 2 o'clock, uh, Sunday the 12th. And uh, Carmel Cantwell, uh, the organiser, uh, one of the organisers, joins me. Carmel, first of all, it's wonderful to have it back. Good morning. Yes, good morning, PJ. Yeah, it is. It's wonderful after this two-year break. Um, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing some uh, many friends and having a good gathering. It has become an international event from very small beginnings, hasn't it? Uh, yes, it has really. We, we, we've had many people come over from America. We had um, one man that was actually adopted to Alaska one year. He came over. Um, uh, yeah, from all, all parts of the world. We've mm. got people coming from uh, the UK, from different parts of the country. Mm. Um, and the purpose is to remember the women and children. Where did the idea come from, Cam? Uh, well, originally, uh, a few of us met up in 2014. Um, we, there was 20 of us, and we've made some long-life relationships uh, out of that meeting. But it was just before the story of Tune broke. And when we got talking, we just realised that there were so many children that had died in Besbra, that, that, we, that we were another tomb in some respects. Mm-hmm. In, in some respects, even worse, because... Um, at least tomb know where their children are buried but we don't know where the Bespera children yeah. uh, are buried and my brother is one of the 923 Sorry. that died and um, my mother was told uh, that he was buried in Bespera so um, we, do, we knew that there could be up to a thousand children or so um, that died out of Bespera but we didn't know where they were buried so that started 
um, the first vigil, if you remember, there were uh, we, we all met at the gates and there were loads of teddies tied to the gates. And um, that, that's kind of how it started. Then the second year, we actually went into the grounds and we got a little bit more organised with music and and yourself came on board and uh, thank you very much for that. Honoured and privileged to do so. And it takes place down at the Folly. They now restored Folly after it was pulled down, but they were forced to restore it. And on Sunday afternoon, uh, the great Karen Underwood will provide music and a very special guest speaker, Karen. Yes, we've got, uh, we've got Professor Conor Amani, and I'm delighted that he's going to come and talk to us. She's the special rapporteur on child protection, and he uh, published his own report earlier in the year, and he did a human rights analysis on the Commission's report um, so I'm sure many people will be interested to hear what he has to say. It's about an hour, an hour and a half, music, poetry, a couple of speeches, and just to stand in what is usually a day blessed by, by summer weather, just to stand and reflect. Yes, really, just to just reflect. I mean, if you think, oh, if you could only imagine, um, you know, 923-plus children, because that figure doesn't even include the children that were stillborn, just imagine how many people that is. They never, they never had a, a funeral. They never had their mother's presence. Um, you know, we don't know how they were buried, where they were buried. Um, it's still unknown. There's 859 children that actually unaccounted for. There has been no burial um, site um, found that they are buried. The commission of investigation never followed through on a, a full forensic investigation. So we still don't know. We're still calling on the government, like we have on previous, uh, this minister and previous ministers, to do a full forensic investigation mm. of the, the grounds that exist in. And, um, you know, at the moment we've got two open planning applications um, on the grounds. And really we just feel there's unfinished business there. The mm. children should come first mm. um, and, and, and be acknowledged. And mm. I'm hoping that on Sunday people do reflect and um, just acknowledge and know how many children and there were 31 women that died also. Okay. Carmel, thank you very much. Carmel Cantwell, organiser of that event. So it's Sunday, 2 o'clock at the Besborough Centre, down by the Folly. Gather at the centre, make way down to the Folly. It takes an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Wonderful music from Karen Underwood and John O'Brien. Some guest speakers, some poetry, some readings. I'll be there myself. And just, just to reflect on the 923 babies and the 859 that were never traced and with no idea where they are and their mothers and other mothers like them we have a lot going on this morning a lot of heavy stuff and we'll be talking again after the news with Mary Lou McDonald about where we might go with regard to the cost of living I already had the very bleak picture painted by uh, Christian McCashion we're hearing about violence on our streets in the middle of the day in the middle of the afternoon where do you go to sort of reset your head and get your sanity back, or at least what you had left of it. Well, maybe you'd go to Love Island. You might try Love Island. It's back on again. It's been on for the last four nights. My daughter was home last night for the night. And honest to God, if I gave her if I gave her front row tickets and, and, and backstage passes to see Harry Styles, I don't think she'd be happier than to sit and watch Love Island. Black Paddy! Fabio, what how are you doing, man? man? What is it? Do you, have good. you figured out yet what it's all about? I don't know what it's all about. I just think it's all the good-looking fellas and the beers and that TV show. So that's what it's all about. Yeah, there's a there's a big age difference thing going on 
there. There's a girl yeah, of I... 19 and a fella of 29 who, again, I'm told by my daughter, is the best-looking man ever to set foot on the planet. Now, clearly she's never met you. She never met me? Yeah. Oh, my God. I need to I need to ring Love Island and tell them I want to go on the show then. So she's probably, she probably going to see me and be like, whoa, yeah, go on the Black Friday. I need to apply for Love Island, man. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What's it? Do you watch it yourself every night? You do? I actually am yeah, into it now because a friend of mine is on it. So, uh, Oh, right. Just, Tell uh, me more about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so basically, he's, he's, uh, he's you can see the only black Irish guy on the show. Um, he's he's going he's gonna to literally make sure. We're going to make sure he wins that show. But the thing is, I'm not happy about is the fact that Irish people can't vote. Yeah, this is so, Damie, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, him. Well, we can't vote. I don't know why that is. I don't know. I think it's a bit of a it's a bit of a marketing system. Because well, it's a bit like Eurovision. You can't vote your own. Tell me about Damie, though. Yeah, he's he's a he's a friend of he's a friend of a friend of mine. He's a friend with a friend of mine. So, if you know one of the uh, one of the big uh, one of the big DJs in Ireland, DJ Wax is he's his brother. Yeah. And um, I used to live with his brother, and um, it was it was a surprise. I know Damie when he was. A while ago, when he was a bit younger as well, it just a bit surprised to see that he's on the Love Island show. I'm like, no way! So it made me so happy to see to see that. I'm like, you know what? So here's the thing, I, Paddy. What's he like? Because you know, I mean, is he like he is like the fella you know so far, or is he playing it up for the cameras? No, you know what? You know what? He is the way he is. But I think, I think I'm just waiting. I'm just that's the reason I'm watching the show. To see how being on camera for for weeks change affects your character, like me as a person, I'm funny and I'm outgoing and witty. But imagine in a house full of good-looking viewers and camera on your face for every day, like it's gonna mess with you for a minute. Like you know what I mean? So it's it's an interesting program to watch and to see people that you know and just watch them go on with life. Like you know what I mean? It's amazing just to see other people. We, 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 it's just it's a funny, interesting program. Anyway, in yeah. general, I like the concept of it. It's interesting. The directors who brought the program together, very amazing program. Yeah, and uh, and the fact that um, we are looking at people getting into relationships and falling in love with someone and breaking up and cheating and fighting and we're just there watching this happen like you're a you reality can, show what you, a you can see you can see that down down by hillbillies on a Saturday night. Come on, like. <laughs> Never mind, he believe front of super value show you'll be seeing them stuff. But uh, it's just it's just interesting that it's it it has a new it's it's branded well. Love Island, love and an island. You know what I mean? It's 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 interesting. But um I, I literally I literally am watching the show, I would like to it's an interesting show and uh, I can't wait to see who wins at the end. Well I hope I hope I pray that me wins. Have you have you seen any of the girls that, that you know might might be suitable for, for Demi? I think the girl, the 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 the, uh, the mixed race girl. I can't remember her name now. What? Wow! What's her name? I can't remember her name. She's the new. There's a question. few new ones now. Is there an Ekinsu yeah. and there's a few more. Ekinsu, Ekinsu. That's Ekinsu. her, is it? Yes, yes, yes. She will be. She for me. I think if she'll be perfect for him. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully she's hopefully she she gets she gets with him on the show. Then, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna go well. And the the one thing as well about the show is that that's interesting now. We we are not known as that. Now you see the way we all are watching the show. We can see all the the, the girls. We can see all the boys. We can see everything from outside watching the TV. 
Now, if you're in the show, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be aware of what's happening. It's until you come out, you'd be like, oh, the editor did it this way, did it that way. It looks, it looks it, like if you're in the Love Island house or island, wherever it is, yeah. it's, it's going to be like you in the show and you're like literally talking to somebody and you're going to take a shower, you have a breakfast, or whatever it is yeah. you do for the whole day. Now, yeah. the way it will appear to us on TV, it's a different vibe. So it's so interesting. Like, do you know, I'll bet you can't wait to talk to Demi afterwards about that. I cannot Because <laughs> everyone's going, ah, no, she's that's all. They're told every morning. Now, here's what we're going to do today. And then... I'm going to have a coffee day with this motherfucker when he's back home. I swear <laughs> to God, I can't wait. <laughs> coffee. That's just what. That's all you're going to. And, every, and every, season, every season, people say, oh, no, it's dead. It's past its sell by. And every season, it draws in millions and millions of viewers they watch it it does it does it does it does man you don't understand what what, it's got nearly as many views as you've got on tiktok like jesus christ more views than me like at the moment that's why i want to go on love island right now man you want to go on it do you i will literally but if my missus let me do it i would do it i literally do it for the last you see the problem is having a missus could be problematic like do you know that's the only problem that's the only problem imagine just going on love island just taking a piece like that'd be deadly just go just go just going on for the crack. I would love to go on the interview and they ask me. See, so, the problem um, is we, could, we couldn't vote for you because you, you have enough fans in Cork alone, Paddy, to win it. <laughs> you know, but I mean, you have fans everywhere from Cork to Carrick Cross, like you did, will you? Ah, uh, Cork, Cork, Cork is the main Love Island. If anyone wants to talk about Love Island in Ireland, I mean, it's Cork City. That's we the got main an Love island. island. I mean, we're an island city. Our city Man, centre go, is in go, Ireland. Go, I swear to God, go to Fitzpatrick Street. You see, you see a lot of Love Island there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, like I'll I said, Cork, Hillbillies, I'll, Saturday I'll, night. <laughs> oh, I love the Hillbillies in Cork. Amazing place. I'm sure I was, I did, uh, I jumped into the fountain in the middle of, uh, in front of Hillbillies, actually. The fountain in Cork. I, I don't know if you've seen that video. It was me literally taking a shower in the middle of Cork in a the fountain there yes. in front of Hillbillies. I saw that. That's it. That's to show you how much lockdown has effect on me. Yeah, yeah, I saw it, all right. And I thought, he's, <laughs> lucky, he's, lucky, he's lucky he wasn't arrested. It, down down Winthrop Street is your famous, your, your favorite spot, isn't it? It is, it is, it is. In front, that, that's my favorite. I, I, love, I love Cork as well, in, as, uh, as a whole. It's like, it's like a different, it's like a different vibe yeah. of a place when you come to Cork. You were I mad, you whenever I, We're mad. Sorry? We're mad. Not really. You're like you used to know. Like I'm mad, so he's all right. If anyone is madder than me, then that's mad. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, yeah. Well, I that's why we get on so well. You say you're mad, <laughs> we say we're mad. So <laughs> <laughs> because because being normal is boring. You know what I mean? So I just I I rather stay this way. You know, since I've been mad, I've been getting paid. So I'm like, you know what? I better stay mad then. Fuck it. Uh, come here. Will, will we will we talk again about this love island? We keep an eye on this this pal of yours. Now now we've got an inline here. We keep an eye on this pal of yours, this Dammy fella, and see does he does he actually manage to to get off with what's her name again? I, I, I'm, forgive me, I'm not up to speed with the name. Ekinsu, right? Ekinsu. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Catch up again. That's Black Paddy, Fabio David. You see him around town. He's as mad as a box of hedgehogs like and great fun with it 0818 96 96 96 Love Island is it your thing like I've said this before it's it's something that kind of it's on in the corner of the room and I kind of stay at the other end of the house but is it your thing
And here's a question for you, because I know a lot of people say, I love it. I sit down every night and turn it on. And one thing people say about it is, well, look, the world is falling apart, it seems. We can't afford petrol. We can't afford food. The mortgages are going up. There's violence in the streets. There's a war on. The planet is burning. You know yourself. But then at nine o'clock at night, we can watch this thing and go, ah, well, there's people worse off than we are and they don't even know it. Mind you, the one reason I... Why would we... Why would I watch it? I think I've probably watched it twice in my entire life. Why would I watch it? I've one thing I'd love to do. There's one thing I'd love to do with regard to Love Island. And can anybody guess what that is? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 966966. 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, Mary Jane says the big problem with Love Island 2022 is they're only allowed two drinks and not what two drinks a night sure that's an awful thing to be sentenced to PJ imagine being on an island in the sun with a drinks embargo god I never I never spotted that bit no I was saying what I'd love to do my dream would be right, if I won the lottery if I happened to come in with me six numbers of a Saturday night one of the first things I'd do is i gather up all my pals and I'd charter a plane and I would get on to the Love Island people and say we're taking that place over for a month. Because, I mean, apart from Anton like it's a seriously sexy villa. And I mean sexy in the non-sexy way. Do you know what I mean? I'd love that, though. Rent it out for a month. Maybe rent it out for six months and do the programme from over there and just to hell with it. 0818 96 96 96. Come back to the, the, the fun side of life in a while. But I want to speak with the leader of... Sinn Féin and the leader of the opposition uh, Mary Lou MacDonald who, who joins me uh, for a chat for a while. Good morning Mary Lou Good morning PJ and can I wish you well in your endeavours to <laughs> be on Love Island broadcasting oh, on all frequencies absolutely. I can see it in my mind's eye now With my lottery win and, and my friends <laughs> and nothing to do with trying to get Good mixed you. up with anybody <laughs> Mary Lou, you're in Cork tonight um, and you have a number of event, events on in Cork but you're coming down to pay respects and and to um to a couple of party luminaries absolutely um i'll be in in the rochestown hotel this evening to pay homage to angela royer and, and thomas golly uh, as he's called flynn so i'm down to uh to acknowledge uh, both of those, both stalwarts of uh, Sinn Féin and activism uh, in Cork. And on, on, the, on my trip, I'm uh, earlier in the day taking the opportunity to meet with the Traveller Visibility Network, which I'm, I'm really excited to, to, to meet with them um, again, to check in with them. An incredible organisation, incredible activism amongst Traveller citizens, women in particular, although the community as a whole. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and I will also be uh, stopping in 
to uh, talk with DP Energy, to talk about renewables, to talk about um, uh, offshore uh, p- potential, to talk about uh, JP, which I, PJ, what I believe is is the big one of the big opportunities that faces our yeah. island uh, over the next decade, which is the prospect of energy independence. Mm-hmm. Uh, green, clean energy um, and Ireland, I hope uh, and I believe as uh, a clean energy exporter. So mm. b- big things there. So I'm looking forward to those events. But mm. then we have the, the evening event also. And I'm I'm trying now to get out uh, a little bit more out and about across the country. As your listeners know, COVID kind of stopped all of us in our tracks but I'm very, very conscious that, you know, life has moved on. COVID now is still with us, but now in a controlled way as people are immunized and boosted mm-hmm. uh, and so on. And um, the appetite for political change is still there and the pressures that people are under are really immense in yeah. these times. So I'm looking forward to meeting people and, okay. and hearing from them. I wanted to discuss that for a few minutes, the, the pressures that people sure. are under, because if you look at your newspapers this morning and the Irish Daily Mail in particular, an onslaught on the cost of living. Petrol continues to soar in price as a result of which pretty much every standard goods and set of goods and services is going up food is going up now the mortgages are going to go up because of the european central bank the government tell us they will do more in the budget you want a mini budget what would that achieve well look um let me first of all acknowledge that this is a very, very difficult situation for, for families, for workers, for businesses, for society at large. And let me also acknowledge the government can't chase everything. They they can't change the facts of conflict in Ukraine, of the, the, the Russian bombardment of that an invasion of that territory, no more than they could wish COVID away. So we're very real about that. But what we also know is that the government, whilst they can't do everything, they can do a lot more than they have been prepared to do. And one of the ironies of of this spike in fuel prices, and I think it's captured this morning, as you say, in the Daily Mail, is that on the one hand, you have a bombardment um, of families and 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 the cost of living spiking, but it has meant uh, a boom for the exchequer. We've said to the government from the get-go that there's a couple of fundamentals that they need to address, and it is our belief that they should do it not in a piecemeal way, mm. but that in fact <coughs> we need a mini budget. Yeah, like, and we we've been knocked back on that many many times. Yeah. But I think as the evidence, like, what, stands, what would that mini budget do? Do you think because what what we we got the excise cut off the petrol and diesel now admittedly that's all been swallowed up again and and that is soaring in price and that is pulling everything else up in price mary lou what would a what would a, a mini budget be able to do for the soaring price of fuel well well firstly j- just bear in mind that um there is still more that the the government can do in respect of excise and and fuel and that would be one item we believe that should be so you think there should be another cut we budget. had the cut pre- are you absolutely. calling for another cut yes absolutely we have said that we've said that repeatedly and by the way we strongly made the case at the time when energy costs were soaring that it made absolutely no sense 
to impose further taxes and further charges on energy. And yet the government went ahead with that, with their carbon tax increase on the 1st of May. And by the way, they envisage another of those hikes mm. come the autumn time. That's but, but their argument happen. would be that we have no choice. We'll be very heavily fined by the European Union if we don't impose that. Well, that, that's not true. We, we have no choice in terms of confronting the climate crisis, um, dealing with, with the challenges that, that that presents to us as a society. But it is not true to say that they would be fined heavily. In fact, this, this carbon tax, um, we made the argument very strongly, particularly in terms of home heating oil, where the government have done nothing, zilch mm. to assist people, that it was just crazy, absolutely mm. crazy to heap more pressure uh, on people at these times. And no, they would not be fined for mm. doing that. That's you, not Spain true. is in trouble already, but I kind of think Spain will says well, we're putting our people first. Spain have cut the VAT and they've cut this and they've cut that and they're talking about budget yeah, and, adjustments. And look, Mm. Yeah, some some European jurisdictions have been more forceful in their dealings with, with the European Commission. Look, Thanks, you have uh, to uh, deal with the European Commission. We're not yeah. looking for anything kind of disorderly, but just remember... Sure, but it, should, it we, should we, for example... like what? a year. Yeah. It took us a year to convince the government, to make the government actually raise the issue of that at yeah. all with the European Commission. Yeah. An extraordinary situation. Like if you were in a position to do it tomorrow... Uh, Mary Lou MacDonald, would you be inclined to say, look, do you know what? We're looking after our people and we'll take the flack from the EU later if it comes. Is that a stance that should be taken? Like That seems to be, if you look at it anyway, my Spanish isn't good enough to read their newspapers, but that seems to be what they're doing. Spain have said, you know what, we're going to protect our people and we'll deal with the EU later. What well, look, is, is that, is that, is that an first... approach you take? Well, I, I believe the first duty of any government is to protect their population. And when you're in a cost of living crisis, when people are being frankly ripped off left, right and centre and struggling to keep the light on and to keep the kids fed and clothed and all, all of the, the things that will face people at back to school time, the priority has to be uh, our people. But but just bear this in mind, we are not unique in facing the cost of living crisis. No. This is a reality across the continent. So here in Ireland, the problem we have is not so much that a, a, a government that's saying, well, to hell with the EU, we're going to look after our population. We have to agitate for a year to even force them to raise the issue of that. And I actually happen to think that when you deal with institutions at any level and when a government is determined and reasonable and has a plan, that nine times out of ten, you will get a reasonable and a rational response to that. But a government that's out of ideas, that sits on its hands, that's very, very slow to act, mm. uh, is not the answer. The, the fuel piece is... Well, their defence is that they will tell you, and, you know, Pascal Donoghue says it every chance he has, and Michael McGrath has said it on this programme, that they're spending, or have already committed to spend, several billion. Yeah. They, they will say that, and they will they will use... You know, these these big figures and states, the, the kind of how much the state has spent. Um, but 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 let me tell you, um, that is a cold comfort oh, yeah. to an elderly person in, in Cork who in the winter time or the autumn might feel forced to stay in bed uh, all day because they can't heat their home, home or yeah. families that will heat one room or you, you know all of the stories as yeah. well as I do. But am I hearing you saying we that we need to stand up to the EU and, and protect our people? Is that what I'm hearing you saying? 
I, I'm saying that we need to stand up and protect our people. And that means that it should not, a government that is standing up and protecting their people, it should not have taken a year for them to start the conversation about a VAT reduction. Mm. That's crazy. Don't blame that on the EU. That falls at the feet of government. I mean, another thing that, that, that we believe needs to be uh, provided for um, is a refundable tax credit for renters. We've said for a long time, I've, in fact, I think I've had this conversation with yourself you on have. this programme, that rents are eye-watering. I mean, just uh, crazy in the city, in Cork, in Dublin, but but in right across the island now. And what we need is a cut in rents. Mm. And we have made this case consistently to government. They can do it by means of a refundable tax credit that should be done, that would have the effect of putting a month's rent back in people's pockets. Yeah. And Ola Ray explained that, 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 that concept to me in, in depth the last yeah. time he was on the opinion line. Just let me move on to one or two other things. You, you mentioned okay. that you're travelling around quite a lot and, and the end of COVID is, is an opportunity, that, or the fact that COVID is in the rearview mirror, shall we say, uh, for most of us anyway, is an opportunity to do that. But the, 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 the political cynic in me suggests that you're doing it partly because you're on an election footing, are you? Well, we've just come out of an election in the north, uh, as you know, and because we're a national uh, party, I, I sometimes feel we're, we're never not on uh, an election footing. Obviously, we want uh, a change of government. Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael come the, come the winter, come December, we'll look to simply do a switch where one man will move out and the other will move in. They'll, they'll swap roles as Taoiseach. We believe that the, what we need is not a change of Taoiseach. We actually need a change of mm. government. I, I believe that very firmly. Do you think there's so a prospect of an election before or shortly after that? Um, I, I, I don't know is the honest answer. What I do know is that, uh, as I feared during the last election and after it, that Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, for all of the rhetoric together, would simply continue with the same old same and that we would face not just the same problems that we had uh, and that we spoke about during the 2020 election, but that, in fact, those problems would deepen. And I'm very sorry to say I'm very frustrated at the fact that that uh, is, is exactly what happened, and particularly in respect of housing. Where mm. we have those of us that are elected to the doll have, I suppose, a, a ringside seat to just observe this government making the same mistakes all over mm. again. And meanwhile, supply is not increasing, rents are soaring, mm. um, and now a, a whole generation still looks on in despair and wonders yeah. will they ever have the opportunity to buy their own home or? Uh, will they ever be in a position to even just meet their rent without sleepless nights? And, and I guess if and, and when and the, the election the campaign comes, that will be really top of the agenda, that and, and the cost of living so. and other, I and, and so. other yeah, things. Yeah, I absolutely believe you so. You don't, like, the, the election isn't due, as it were, until May of 2025. Do you think they'll get there? Um, I, I sadly do not possess a crystal ball, um, but let me No, but you possess a, a lot of very sharp-eyed observers in that party of yours, <laughs> maybe, Lou. Yes, um, I, I don't think that the, the, the current government are keen to have an election. Let me put it to you that way. Um, I believe that um, they know as, as, as well as we do 
that um, a, a huge section now of the Irish population is frankly fed up uh, and tired of a politics that has failed them in the most basic ways. I'm not talking about highfalutin things. I'm talking about the ability to put a roof over your head, to put food in your belly, to have a decent standard of living. And I think increasingly, and I know because I meet people when I'm out and about, there is a growing appetite to to give others, to give us a chance to demonstrate that things can be done differently. Mm. I believe that the next election will be about precisely that, the choice of the same old same or giving uh, giving others, giving Sinn Féin a chance to be part of government, mm. to lead the country a, well, in a direction well, that's that's absolutely responsive to people. Well, on the, on the opinion polls... Will be, uh, when the, that election will be, yeah. to be honest with you, is... At this stage, uh, a moot point. What I can tell you is... You don't have a slip in Paddy Power's life. As soon as possible. You don't have a slip. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. Um, Lastly, lastly, to come back to the North uh, briefly, and and as we know, and we're very parochial down here, is there a chance anytime soon, Mary Lou, that a certain Cork woman will actually be First Minister up there? Is it going to happen? Or is is this... I've been going to be dancing around this for the next six months. Well, I, I dearly hope that uh, Cork has uh, its first first minister. And I knew I said to Michelle, actually, in the aftermath of that election, I said that for watch now when when Cork, the rebels now will claim you, clutch you to their to, to their. She was born here. Of course, they claim her. <laughs> of course. No, she is. She's very much a, a Cork born woman. And um, it's it's 36, 37 days since the election. Um the DUP are still refusing to enter government. Boris Johnson is still playing a very dangerous game with the European Commission. He's still playing a very dangerous game with Ulster Unionism in giving them the pretense that somehow the protocol can be wished away or dispensed with the pretense that somehow unionism and the British Tories can turn the clock back decades and go back to, as they would have it, the good old days. Mm -hmm. And that's not available to them. I mean, the world has moved on. Ireland has moved on. The North is transformed. And I really, really hope and wish that we have the executive back up and running and that Michelle O'Neill, Cork woman Michelle O'Neill, can serve as a First Minister for all, because there's no doubt that the winds of change are blowing. Mm-hmm. And we need a steady hand at the tiller. We need steady, inclusive, respectful politics. And we need the protocol, bottom okay. line. Yeah. We, we, we await that legislation next week yeah. from the Tories. I think there will be a huge international pushback against it. And final word, above all else, we need to guard and protect the Good Friday Agreement and yeah. our peace process. Yeah, indeed. And I spent my last two summer holidays in the north of Ireland, Mary Lou. And Excellent. The, the, the love, the, the, the respect for that agreement and the, among the ordinary people that you meet in pubs and shops and bars and restaurants and playgrounds with your kids and down on the beach, the, that has to be protected. And that is a generate, desperate, def, definite feeling that I got when I was up there. Mary Lou, thank you very much. Mary Lou MacDonald, leader of Sinn Féin and leader of the opposition. Will they get an opportunity to do what they say they'll do sometime soon? Are they on an election footing? Sure, aren't they always?
96 FM. You, you, you regard yourself as a Welsh lady? I have Welsh is, blood, yes. But are you Welsh or are you English? Or no, are you I'm Irish adopted, at this stage? So it's a little bit tricky. Yeah. Like, my birth family are Welsh and mm-hmm. I was I was adopted in England and brought up in England. Okay. Then you were adopted again by Cork. Yeah. Yes. People from Wales are the worst lovers in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, in a poll. Of Why do you say that? Are you enjoying yourself? Yeah. That would put you off, wouldn't it? I'm just standing here holding this big leaf. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24 7. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Now that's true. In, in the places that I visited in the north last summer on my holidays and get a chance to talk to people and when they realise A, you're from the south and B, you're actually a journalist or a broadcaster and they'll chat away to you all day long and it doesn't matter what side of the community they come from and, and young and old people. The, the, the view that I got and the very clear view that I got talking to people around the place and just chatting to them, coffee shops and bars and so is that agreement has to hold because if it doesn't you ain't seen what will be unleashed up there and that's that's the worrying bit 0818 96 96 96 Siobhan Clancy is Community Arts Coordinator with Cork City Council uh, Arts Council and Quinu Nog Siobhan is on this weekend tell me about it good morning it is, PJ. Good morning. Um, we're so excited. The uh, HQ here for Crane and Oak is buzzing this morning. Um, we're looking forward to a really packed day full of activities, which are all free for children and young people across the city as part of Creative Ireland's Crane and Oak. What is it all about? What's the concept? So the concept really, it's a flagship project. It's the only one of its kind that was established by Creative Ireland to take place nationally. And um, the objective is to um, facilitate access for children and young people to uh, 
the artistic and creative expression in many forms and to make that as accessible as possible. Hence, all the projects and, and activities that take place are free. And there's a whole range of offerings so that, um, you know, literally there's something for everyone. We're hoping that we can ignite imagination and um, interest in, in developing creative skills and connecting with other young people that enjoy expressing themselves, enjoy being creative, enjoy trying something new or just being in a new and inspiring inspiring place or our experience. Because the creativity of young people would just blow you away. You have two categories, creative look and 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 uh, the inspired look. What are they? Now, that's specifically a competition we're running in tandem with Kunununo PJ. And I would encourage everybody to check that out because it's uh, a lot of fun. Um, creative look and inspired look, as you said, are two categories in this competition. And children and young people of any age under 18 can enter. Uh, we have an uh, under uh, 10s and under age group and then 11 plus. And they're invited to use makeup or to use a face paint and they can decorate themselves or they can decorate a model that might be a friend, it might be a member of family. They send us the image and then our amazing jury uh, chooses prizes for the, 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 the looks that um, mo most creatively respond uh, to the call out. And our jury includes members of Cork City, Corlin and Oak. So, you know, we're very much about creating events and opportunities that are by people for young people and Corlin and Oak will be um, judging the inspired look and that might be on a topic of that a young person feels is important to them or a subject that they really love and we also have um, the wonderful Jade Foley mm -hmm. who is a makeup artist in her own right and people might uh, know her as a semi-finalist from um, Ireland's Glow Up. She's um, been on the show, she's, she's a fun person. <clears throat> yeah. She is, and she herself is really inspiring, and she's going to be judging the creative look. And the creative look is really an opportunity just to kind of experiment with whatever you like. And as we said, you can use face paint, you can use makeup, you can use whatever you like, um, and uh, you just uh, send what you create to creativecall at corkcity.ie, and we'll pass them on to our, our judges. Okay. And all the decisions will be um, announced uh, next week. So you have until midnight Sunday to participate, okay. and, and anybody anywhere in the city can participate participate in that. So even if you don't make it into the city to one of our many workshops, events, tours, and um, that's something that everybody can do. Okay, and all events, details of all Queen Udenog events are av available corkcity.ie forward slash CNN. Thanks Siobhan. Siobhan Clancy uh, from the Arts Council within Cork City Council. Queen Udenog tomorrow, but 40 different events. So if you have a couple of smallies that you want to find something to do that's actually free and fun and creative for them, uh, corkcity.ie forward slash CNN. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Written by John McCarthy, Humans, a robot musical, is a big-hearted and funny story about loss, friendship and hope featuring three humanoid robots, one quite robotic human and beautiful original songs. It runs at the Everyone Theatre on Saturday the 18th of June and Sunday the 19th. Access all areas. Ye Vagabonds play Cork on the back of the release of their third album, Nine Ways, 
Waves, featuring delicate vocals and gentle instrumentation, the album includes 11 tracks of both traditional and original songs, and they come to the Everyman on Wednesday, June 22nd. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up, or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer on Corks 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now 083 396 96 96 on Corks 96 FM. Now, Belinda Murphy joins me to talk about your friend Bella the Butterfly. Who is Bella the Butterfly? Belinda, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, So Bella the Butterfly is, um, I suppose it's everybody really. Um, There's two books I've written. They're about mindfulness for children. Mm -hmm. And it's to talk children through various different um, techniques. So I get them to imagine that they're the butterfly. So it's all about transformation and change and how we can deal with that Mm -hmm. and how we help our children through those different processes. So Bella the Butterfly could be anybody. It could be your, your own inner child as well. And it's just to embrace that. The timing of the books, it's not a coincidence. We're in butterfly season, aren't we? Yeah, and this book is Bella the Butterfly and the Fairies. So fairy season is upon us as well, Peter. I've seen butterflies. I haven't seen too many fairies of late. but Oh, you need to look harder. You need to look harder. (laughs) They're out there. (laughs) So... Um, so how does it work? How does I mean, like you, you, you get the, the kids to focus on mindfulness through the image of the butterfly. Explain how that works. Yeah. So this this book that's out now says Bella Butterfly and the Fairies. So they talk the child through um, the chakras, basically, of the body, and it's using everyday language. Um, to help them understand all about colour, about breathing techniques, um, to balance their own chakras with a breathing technique on each particular page. And it's the fairies are actually talking the child through this. And then at the end, when they've all their breathing done, um, there's a transformation. So the butterfly then becomes an even more transformed butterfly. It's kind of like a butterfly fairy type human Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, at the end. Like you teach wellness and mindfulness to, to children Belinda it's it's a concept that 10 years ago we never even thought about Oh PJ I mean I'm involved in this 11 years now right. and even now we say you know the wellness industry it wasn't an industry that's only very recent um, when I started off there was barely health food shops around the place you know what I mean um, it was kind of called holistic wellness um, and we didn't have language as adults, even even when you talk about mind health. Now it's common language that there's children in school talking about their breathing, about mindfulness. We can go into health food shops and say that we need, um, you know, solutions for this, that. And it's become very much everyday. So it's fantastic that the development, even in the last 10 years, it's just upped a different pace altogether. So even though I've been in this game, we'll say 11 years um, it's only in recent years. It's everywhere. People just have the language and giving the children the language and the tools from a very early age just makes it more acceptable. So it's wonderful to see it. I mean, as adults, we learn, at, we try to learn in the last few years about when times get tough or when things get on top of you, just, just breathe and mm-hmm. take account of what's around you. And that's a skill that is hard to learn if you've never learned it before. So getting in there with the fives and six-year-olds and seven-year-olds, you're giving them a life skill. That's the whole point. And the whole point is that, um, you know, children, they may be fine, 
But who knows in another two years, 10 years, 15 years where they'll be, what? And it's more that they might remember, oh, you know, I think I did something before and it's something related to this. Um, I think now there's loads of people that have apps and they're very much into, you know, just looking for something that can help their head as adults. But if if we start off children very, very, very early with just breathing and um, understanding, you know, their different chakras, how they work, how, you know what I mean, how to balance their own energy systems, we give them a better chance that when they're older and they're going through chaos or challenges or whatever change that they will be going through, that they'll actually remember, oh, there's something there I used to do before. It used right. to help me. I might try that. I did that in school a long time ago. I wonder, can exactly. I do it again? Yeah. So or I had the book at home at bedtime and my mom used to read it to me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so where can we get the books? So they're available nationwide in Dunn stores. I'm delighted to be partnering with Dunn's. They've been very, very supportive. Um, small business, Irish business, Cork business, obviously. So it's great. So it's all over Dunn stores all over the country. All right, good luck. And with you can go on to Bella the Butterfly Love on Instagram and Facebook if you want to find out more information as well. Great. Good to talk to you, Belinda. And uh, congratulations on your book, Bella the Butterfly and the Fairies. Second Bella the Butterfly book available in uh, Duns and other good bookshops now. Teach your children that skill when they're small enough to soak it up like sponges, which is what children do. And you'll probably find when you get a bit older, or when they get a bit older, they'll. They'll be able to stop, pause, breathe, and ground themselves. I wish someone had taught me that when I was seven. Do you know? So it's books like that to do it. Thank you, Belinda. 0818 96 96 96. Coming back to uh, the cost of living. After speaking with Mary Lou MacDonald, Finbar says if they got rid of the universal social charge, we could all get by much better. They'd get most of it back in that anyway. Oh, Finbar, Finbar, Finbar. The Universal Social Church. I remember when they brought it in. And I remember, I'm sure you do too, and I remember when they said this would be temporary. And I turned to the Queen Bee. We were on holidays at the time, actually, I think, when they confirmed it was coming in. Uh, They brought it in in a budget. And we were on holidays the previous July before the budget, and I was reading the, the paper online uh, while I was away. And this was much of the talk that this universal social charge was coming in. And it was a temporary thing. And I looked at the Queen Bee and I said, temporary, my backside. And that's, God, when did they do that? Tempor- Nothing's temporary when they're making money out of it. Uh, and I don't know of any of them will cut USC. I don't know if Sinn Féin will cut USC. I don't think Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael will ever cut USC. I don't think Labour would cut USC. I don't even think if Solidarity, people before profit, would cut USC. And do you know why? Because when they got it in, when they realised how blasted lucrative it is, they're not going to cut that. It's never going to happen. Temporary my backside when it came in first. Never... Be very, be always be aware of anything that they tell you is temporary. Yeah, the USC was brought in. You look it up. Twenty eleven, Finnegan brought it in. Twenty eleven as an emergency provision, and in an election campaign, it might have been the twenty sixteen election campaign. I think it was the twenty sixteen election campaign. Uh, Andy Kenny was asked, "Well, when are you going to get rid of it?" 
when is it going to be taken away? Because, sure, it's only temporary. And his answer was, well, it's now bringing in over four billion a year. If you can find a way to replace that four billion, we'll do away with it in the morning. It's never going to be done away with that. So you can take it as given. 0818 96 96 96. Now, I have never read Ulysses. I tried. Twice. <laughs> no, it, it's not that it's a... Well, it is a very confusing book. It's a brilliant book. The writing in it, the English in it, the phraseology in it, the, the way... It, but it's a very, very hard book to read. So when I see Ulysses for Children, Mark McLaughlin, I wonder, <laughs> God, as an adult... I struggled with it. Um, so how do we get children around one of the most famous Irish books of all time? How do we do that? Well, good morning. I, good morning to you. Um, do you know what? I hadn't read it uh, until this. we, we were uh, asked to take part in this project and um, it was it, it was uh, no small challenge um, mm. to get the... To, to actually get my head around it and then for us to try and figure out a way in which we would make it, number one, suitable, and number two, um, interesting. in Because in, in, you have to leave out so many storylines uh, yeah. in it. That's because, the problem it with it, adults. isn't it? Do you know what I mean? That's the problem with it. Like it's, it's, it's a wonderful concept. It's all set one day, one yeah. city, different characters, different stories, how they all intertwine. But you can read... A, a chunk of the book and then put it down and go away and go about your day's work and come back yeah. and go, hang on, wh- 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 where was I? What the hell? Was <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 you know, it, it, is, it, it is a fantastic book and I, it, I suppose it is the thing that you could spend your whole life kind of trying to, 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 trying to read it, trying to understand it, but the best thing to do is just get into it and, and let it wash over you and not try and figure it all out because yeah. it's, you know, what we decided to look at is the fact that it's such a democratic book. There's there's two main characters but they're not necessarily the lead characters. Anybody right. at any time can be the lead character in this story yeah. and he's so generous with the way in which he treats you know, at, at the time I suppose books were being written and, and there was um, heroes but they're of a certain class but um, Joyce takes these characters from all different classes and gives them the same amount of airtime on the page and and it's really it's really really clever really interesting the way he yeah. does it and you know it's like when you're reading it it's every book that you've read since you go oh right I see where that came from you know yes. it's it there's it's just fascinating so um, this production now in the Cork Midsummer Festival what's how how does this work what is, what is happening here. So what we've what we've done is um, it's part of a project, that, um, a Ulysses two point two project, where where artists were asked to respond to the book a um, hundred years after it's been published, and because we make work for children, that our our basically ask was to make something that would work for children. So we decided, sure, why don't we try and make the whole, try and do a, a version of of the whole book. So we have uh, taken. The whole story uh, from start to finish and followed uh, two main two main characters, but we've done it with uh, Maeve Clancy's um, pop up book. So it's a pop up uh, story, if mm. you like. Um, Helen Gregg is 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 um, is narrating and taking all the characters throughout the story, and we basically do that. We follow the the story of the day. Uh, throughout Dublin and follow these two characters and the, and the people that they meet and the events that happen and it's done uh, like I suppose uh, what, what keeps it interesting in uh, is that the 
the story is constantly changing. We try and figure out, make sure that it not doesn't get confusing. But we uh, there is loads to keep you to keep your attention, and each of the pop ups works in a different way as well. So the paper engineering in it is amazing to look at on its own. Mm. Um, but it, but you know, but it's such a, it is a good story. So you is know, it a performance a, of the book for children? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's a performance. It's basically um, Helen Gregg is is. Uh, telling the story but also animating the the pop-ups and we have little paper characters that pop in and out um and so it is it is a, a tiny play of the of a huge book mm. when will we get to see it and where uh, so it's on uh, from the 16th so it's obviously starts on bloomsday because uh, yeah. the book was written on the 16th of june um, so uh, and it happens to be a Thursday as well when the book was written on a Thursday and uh, so it, it's the 16th of June to the so the Thursday to the Sunday during the Midsummer Festival in the Civic Trust building mm-hmm. and and who's like it's because it's a book of many many parts and many characters what kind of a yeah. cast have you got is it a big cast we have we have a cat every single character in the book is represented in paper form and there's one um there's one performer who who basically leads the audience through the whole okay. through the whole story yeah okay. so we have uh, every single character is a, a paper version of them okay. and they pop in and pop out and there's but like there's brilliant events in it so, like he was so cinematographic as well in in his uh in his writing there's mm. there's a there's um one chapter where he basically pans, like in a film now, he, he pans through the whole city, picking up events of different characters throughout the day. So we have a lovely way of doing that as well, yeah. which it just gives a, gives a sense of everybody and everything that's happening at lunchtime in, or at three o'clock in Dublin on the 16th of June, 1904. It's fantastic. Yeah, the, the, I watched a little video of, of, of the pop-up book and, and all the characters. And the most amusing thing about it is, and this is a real book nerd observation, but on the couple of times that I attempted to read Ulysses, the one thing that I smile at is when you see those pop-up characters and you remember reading them from the book, they are exactly as he painted. Oh, good. We can see them in yeah. our minds, and that was, that was I, I love reading a book where you can see the character in your mind's eye. Yeah, uh, and you he, know? he, you know, like he he doesn't have the the reputation that he has for 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 no reason. You know, it, it's an ama- he's an amazing ability to paint these characters, which made it easier for us to kind of describe the to to come up with an, a version of them, but yeah. also. Um, the soundscape. Michael Chang has done a com- uh, composed the music to it, and the soundscape uh, that we have in it oh, right. um, is 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 fantastic. It's Adrian like Ferry worked with us. A three D immersive event based on Ulysses. Then pretty uh, pretty much, yeah. And it, it's you know there's a limited audience uh, because the room that we're in, but it'll be a really intimate. Uh, we we it'll feel like you're in uh, the book. Um, it should anyway. And it's in the Dolls House, which if it was in Dublin, could be right out of. Ulysses. Yes. <laughs> yes, it could. <laughs> All right, Mark, listen, we look forward to it as part of the Midsummer Festival. Uh, Ulysses for Children at the Civic Trust House, the Dolls House, down on Pope's Quay, 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th of June. Did If you ever tried Ulysses, God, I tried. I did. I tried it twice. Wonderful writing. Incredible power of language and description and character. God, I struggled to get through it. I didn't get through it. I got about maybe a th- somewhere between third and a half way through on both occasions. And I just thought, no, I can't. I can't do this. But 
a classic and it'll be remembered uh, at the Cork Midsummer Festival. Looking at pumps.ie, the lads were talking on breakfast this morning about the petrol station in Douglas where it's something like 2.24 for a litre of petrol and, and as Ross as Ross said do, do they want you to rent the entire garage for that for the week but just looking at pumps.ie Cork Road in Fromoy 214.9 Bandon Road Bishopstown 218.9 Borry Manor Road 218.9 Cork Road Carrigaline 216.9 uh, Bandon 215.9 Lazarda 212.9 Dunmanway, 212.9. Balancholic, 210.9. 211, you might as well say. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Coming back to the violence in our streets and the continuing saga day in, day out of yet another violent event being witnessed by innocent people in our streets. Leanne was on to me earlier on about what she saw in North Main Street, middle of the afternoon, people chasing one another down one side of the street, swinging a chair from an outdoor seating area. It was just mad, demented, scary. She and her kids don't want to go back into school anymore or back into uh, the town anymore after that. They ran into Tony's Bistro, did these people who were being chased, and the lads in Tony's did their best for them. Which It's just another one. You had the incident there earlier in the week where you had an 80-year-old bystander injured in the course of a ruckus. You had two, a couple of fellas throw one another on top of a, the, the bonnet of a passing car in Patrick Street. We had what happened a few weeks ago down around the corner from here in McCorton Street. Our city is getting increasingly violent and people are getting increasingly worried about going in there. And I made the point, as has been made frequently, well, we're 100 yards short, according to the Garda Representative Association, we're 100 yards short of what we should have in the city. So uh, we don't even have them for them to be out there let alone have enough of them. Uh, Mags was saying every other street in Cork also needs more guards, not just North Main Street. But in all fairness, the guards are doing the very best they can with what they have. Uh, tougher sentences for persistent offenders is what's needed. You see the same names every day in the court with a litany of previous offences. Mags, you're right on every box you've just ticked. First of all, we don't have enough guards. We have, we're a hundred short, and when that comes around in an election, a hundred guards short, a major city, a hundred guards short of what it should have. That is just not good enough, not acceptable, and it has to change. But also, with what they have, and with the personnel and the resources they have, they can only do their absolute best. And as for the tougher sentences for persistent offenders, I remember working the courts myself for enough years to know, go in any Monday morning to the district court or go in any criminal sessions into the central or the 
circuit court and you'll find the same names from the same places doing the same things for the same over and over and over again and rap on the knuckles is the toughest sentence that some of them ever get thanks Mags 0818 96 96 96 now the Taste of Dublin it's a big one it's a big event uh, normally you would normally we'd look at Dublin and go let them do what they want let them off do what they want they, they think they're capital that's fine but when they have something as big as Taste of Dublin uh, we we talk to Rory O'Connell who is a cork chef on his way to be part of Taste of Dublin. Because, Rory, to be fair, and you're from Ballymaloo, it, it has become a truly international food event, hasn't it? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Hi, how are you? It has absolutely... In fact, wasn't there a taste of cork some years ago? There was, and it, it didn't really take off to the same extent. Yeah, I think it, you know, there might be, it might be time for that idea to be revived and reviewed because there's so much going on in the cork food scene. You know, within uh, within the city and also within the county, in terms of small producers and new restaurants opening up all the time, and all these Michelin stars, it could be a thing. Yeah, and it runs from 16th to 19th, and it's a it's a huge event. So, what what will be there? Well, I'll be um, I'll be there um, giving cookery demonstrations. That's the purpose of my role. Um, uh, the, the fantastic big stage, and I'm doing two on the day that I'm there, which is uh, the Saturday of that particular weekend. Um, and I'll be um, obviously highlighting lovely summer food, using as many Irish ingredients as possible. And I'll bring some herbs and bits and pieces up from East Cork with me. And then basically there will be lots of there's entertainment, there'll be music, and then there'll be various different uh, places to eat. So the restaurants will have set up at the um, at the fest, and then people will be able to go along and have tastes of things or have um, more substantial. So it's like a sort of a, a lovely grazing type uh, mm. food scenario with bits of music, some demonstrations, some talks. It's a really, really lovely event, and mm. in a in a lovely environment. I remember the cork one that you talked about, and, and yeah. when it was on, I went to it. And you know what you do? You stand in the middle of it, and you go like, it doesn't matter what your particular food tastes are, but the feeling I had was. Pride, pride that God look at what we do in in regard to food. I mean, you're you're yeah. a chef. You teach chef. You teach cooking. How good are yes. we, Rory, on a global scale in terms of uh, what we can do with food? We're good. I think we're. I think we're on the cusp. Or even further on being at the cusp. There's a lot of really exciting thing happening in food in Ireland. So maybe ten years ago or so. I mean, there's been a lot. Of, there's been. The ingredients, in our, the ingredients in Ireland have always been incredible. Our dairy, our meat, um, our vegetables, our homegrown fruits, when you can get them, they're world class and they always have been. And now we've always had good restaurants, good cafes, all that sort of thing. But particularly, I'd say, in the last 10 or 15 years, a lot of our young men and women cooks, they went to Scandinavia and they went to Copenhagen and some of them went to America and Australia. And they have come back mm. with, a, with, a, with a complete understanding of the quality of what we have here and a great pride in what we have here and they're putting their own mark on it and it's incredibly exciting mm. um, and I think um, uh, already people are internationally are taking notice of what's happening in Ireland and I think PJ, it's just at the beginning, I think. Because if you think what happened, say, in Denmark, which was never a food destination, and then they started a movement called the Nordic Food Movement, where they just really concentrated on the food of their particular region, which was a very strict ethos. I don't think we need to be that strict mm. about uh, about an Irish philosophy. 
because we've got so much. And the great thing about Ireland is we've got one of the great growing conditions for growing and producing food in the world because of our relatively mild winters and our summers, which aren't as scorchio as we'd like them to be, mm. and that we get plenty of rain. So, I mean, to say it's a land of milk and honey is to understate yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 how, he, how wonderful a, a place Ireland is to grow and produce beautiful world-class food. Talk, talk, so talk, good, talk a bit more about that, that Nordic thing, Rory. It, it caught my ear there, as you mentioned. Yeah. What was that about? So, so I don't... So as a 30 years ago or maybe even less 20 years ago they started to think all the Nordic uh, uh, René Redzepe and Klaus Meyer started to think all the Nordic food movement where they decided just to concentrate on specifically the food of Denmark and the ingredients of Denmark now at, at Noma which is um, René Redzepe's restaurant, which is now classed called the best restaurant in the world, whatever that means. I mean, for example, they don't use anything from outside the region. So, PJ, for example, they don't use any lemons because they don't grow them there and they don't use olive oil. So they looked within the indigenous plants and things from their region to find something that would have a similar flavor and a similar taste. Mm. And they use those. And it's, it, you know, it, it's caused a sensation and it's caused chefs and cooks and foragers and farmers and anybody who's interested in food all over the world mm. to look more deeply at what's growing in their area and in mm. their region and mm. things that they mightn't un- previously have taken seriously or understood. It's so it's created a worldwide phenomenal. Yeah. So a lot of young Irish chefs went to work in Copenhagen, some of them at Noma and some of the other restaurants that developed as a result of mm. Noma. And they're coming back to Ireland and it's beyond exciting what's going on. Does, does food have fashions and trends? Yes, it does, no doubt about it. And I keep an eye on the fashions and the trends, but, but I don't necessarily wear those clothes. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. you, you want to know what's going on. You want to know what the young chefs are doing, mm. or the creative people are doing. Like what's big at the moment? What are people trying at the moment? Well, the whole foraging thing keeps going on and on and on and wild foods. Obviously, there is a movement towards eating less meat, which there's a lot to be said for that and of just of a higher quality. And, and, and also within, um, uh, uh, Neil, from the point of view, uh, or Peter, from the point of view of the more recent uh, tragic events that are happening in Europe, you know, the whole grain thing and looking yeah. towards, well, what do we need to grow here to sustain our own diet in Ireland? And we can grow anything. We, should be, we can be growing probably enough grain to make the flour that we need to make our bread. We yeah. know we can grow enough vegetables and all that sort of thing, but it's, you know, it's not, I mean, I've just used quite broad brushstrokes, yeah. but everybody's looking at food security as well. And that's slow, sort of, that's outside of the kitchen, but it is related yeah. to what chefs are doing in the kitchen because, yeah. you know, when, if you or I go and eat in a restaurant, we see what a chef is doing and we come across a new ingredient. I, number one, want to know where it co- comes from. Number two, if it com- comes from Ireland or Cork, I'm even more excited yeah. about it because then I know I can find it and use it and cook it. Yeah. So it's all a kind of a circular movement. I'm one of these people, actually, Rory, that when I go for dinner, um, I first of all, I, I reasonably experimental in terms of what I'll eat. I, I'll eat pretty much anything. Yes. But if I discover a different flavour, I'm yeah, the one... very exciting. I'm the one who'll say, what is that? Where does it come from? Does that annoy the yeah. hell out of the chef in the back of the fellow on day no, 13 months to know what you got? No, absolutely. On the contrary, 
that's precisely what the chef wants to hear because he knows then what or she, what they send out of their, of their kitchen has piqued your interest and, and that you either like it or you might ask what it is because you intensely dislike it. Mm. But normally it was because you like something. Mm. I find um, it has a lot with sources. The, it had, you know, and a chef... Yeah. Turning out a particular, hands out. You get a, like a thousand. There's a thousand different sauces of a particular color. But you, you yeah. dip, you dip. What the hell is in that? I know that's fantastic. Sure, it's wonderful. I mean, it, and I find in a way as a cook that when that happens, when you come across a new flavor, for me personally, I find it a bit humbling. Because at the end of the day, it all comes from either the, the soil, the ground, or the waters, and some of it is airborne, I suppose. But it reminds me, as a cook, my responsibility, mm. you know, to make to try to, towards, you know, uh, having a great relationship with the farmers and the gardeners yeah. and the fishermen, everybody who produces the food for me. And when you come across a new flavor, it reminds you, well, there's no end to this, really, and that nature is bigger and better and much more clever and we've yeah. got to cop ourselves on and mind it. And, there, and there's plenty there's plenty more to be tried. And like you said, yeah, we need to cop ourselves on and, and, and mind what's out there and yeah. mind the ground yeah. and mind what we grow Absolutely. in it. In terms yeah. of the, the, the ingredients and, and I suppose, Rory, inevitably the cost of stuff is going up because of Ukraine. But are, is, are, yeah. We, yeah. are we facing into big shortages because of Ukraine? Um, I don't know. Certainly the flour issue because of wheat is, is going to be an issue and things like sunflowers and sunflower oil. There will be certain things, you know, um, that will, that may become more expensive. I say there's no doubt about it. But that, you know, Neil, this is, this will just accelerate the thought process that we needed to be on anyway, which yeah. was how do we become food secure? Yeah. 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 People getting so into growing their own a bit more, you know. Absolutely. But a lot of people are doing that anyway. But we need to be, you know, really supporting our grain producers and yeah. our vegetable producers who, let's face it, our yeah. commercial vegetable producers have had a pretty torrid time. Yeah. With some, with some of the retail outlets, you know, selling things for a fraction yeah. of the true cost of producing them, it's kind of immoral. To do, be do you have your own little allotment? Do you grow your own? I, I, absolutely, I've always grown my own herbs. Um, at the Ballymac Cook School, where I'm involved, we have it's an organic farm, and we grow masses of different things. During summer, we have about sixty different crops. So I'm in a very fortunate position, Neil. And and East Cork and the entire county of Cork is a wonderful food producing region. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the great food producing regions of the world. Yeah. And there are great farmers markets, there are great shops. The English market is a treasure beyond, you oh. know. We're very lucky, Neil, where we live, in my opinion. Indeed we, indeed, we, indeed we are. And Taste of Dublin, you're off to that uh, 16th to 19th. And you, who knows, we might get Taste of Cork back someday. Thanks fairly much. That is, uh, that's Rory O'Connell from Ballymaloo. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. Poor Rory seems to do a lot of interviews. I think he made a mistake on my name more than once. We'll forgive him that. It's busy. It's Friday. 0818 96 96 96. On our violent and increasingly violent city. 
uh, Quivine says, I suppose that's what you get when the guards are ignoring our city centre. How the business community allows it is beyond me. You'll get the usual under-resourced excuses. When they're needed for checkpoints and the likes, there seems to be plenty of Gardaí about. Well, Quivine, detailing guards onto checkpoints, that's what guard the management does. Um, but there are, we are a hundred guards short, and that is a stated fact. And that's the guard that representative association, we are a hundred guards short. And the last allocation from Templemore, um, what do we get? Six or something? Seven? So it's not fair to say that the guards are ignoring the city centre. There's just not enough of them to do it. And how the business community allow it? Uh, that's another question in itself. But thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Sunday week is Father's Day. And there is a festival of dad rock. I kid you not. A festival of dad rock um, happening in Cork. Uh, dad rock is a very uh, broad church of music and style, Sinead Dunphy. Good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you doing? I'm good. Like, put it this way. I would be a dad and my form of dad rock would be an awful lot different to dads younger than me. So how are you going to cater for us all? Well, I don't know. I think I, I may not be a, a mother or a father, but uh, I do have a lot of animals. So I feel like in some way I parent. You do. So for me, the dad rocks can be actually for all. And we're going to definitely cater for everybody. We have music with Ian Richards, Harvey Kay and the Wrecking Crew, One Horse Pony, King Kay, um, it's just going to be the most bizarre lineup yeah. of amazing musicians. Well, I, I, I'm thinking of Ian Richards there now, and I know Ian a very long time. Ian would be the daddy of them all in terms of DJing in Cork. PJ, your last it's the whole thing is actually funded uh, through the Arts Office in Cork City Council, so thanks to Siobhan, who was on earlier. Um, but it's under the Local Live Performance Scheme. Uh, that was brought out to help against, you know, the COVID effect with the cultural sector. So a lot of the thing was about, you know, making sure that you had musicians or people who would have, you know, really felt uh, the pandemic. But as part of the application, I did actually write in Ian Richards as the daddy of soul. (laughs) So everybody had their own daddy likeness in the application. So I'd say they thought I was gone completely nuts. (laughs) But um, it's a bit of fun. I think, you know, you can see everything. I mean, we heard about Crinian and Oak from Siobhan. We heard about like Midsummer there with the, like, there's so much happening and it's great to feel it happening. So for us, this is about a nod to the dads, uh, have a bit of a laugh. Um, just everybody come down. It's a completely free event yeah. uh, down in the Marina Market on Father's Day and we're running from 1 till 8 p.m. Premier, so the Marina Market, like it's become such a hub for stuff and I was only down there for lunch with my son uh, just early on the June weekend isn't it just brilliant it's a fantastic addition to the city I mean Tom Collin who owns it but you have Jason Davis and Owen Durham inside in there and they are just creating an incredible experience for people who walk in and with no real expectation of, yes, there are traders there and yes, spend your money with the traders, support local traders. 
But like at the same time, there's no expectation. You can go down and just take it in as a space, you know, which is a really fabulous addition to any city. And like you have it in cities all over Europe. And this is what we want to see. And like I love working with like Jason and Owen and Sully and Tom and they're fantastic to work with because they can see that bigger vision of what's happening in cities in in Europe and actually really utilizing large spaces like that but for a diverse group anybody can go in there yeah. and remember well it's completely accessible so there's no need for ramps or that you know if you're in a wheelchair it's absolutely perfect to get around. Yeah. There's fully wheelchair accessible toilets. Um, there's come here, the, uh, the toilets. Ah, come here, the toilets. You wouldn't get, you wouldn't get it in a five star hotel. Come here. If I had a toilet like that now in my own house, Honest I'd be God. doing well. Yeah, you know. But come here, Sinead, getting back to the events that are happening, and that'll be brilliant. And there's so much else going on. You know, we 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 should nearly have. I whisper this before I don't. I don't want it to happen. We should have a <laughs> pandemic every couple of years because when we come back, we come people back with fury. Stuff more, I think, <laughs> and I think people appreciate experience and their own time more. There's a lot more of a a willingness to just go out and experience things now and just really enjoy your time. And yeah. like, it's not all about the grind. It's it no. really isn't. No. And I think. You know, myself and my colleagues in event management, that's what we're trying to do. You know, we're we're like we're between Dad Rocks on the 19th of June, but we have Summer Sing Children's Festival happening as well uh, from the 11th to the 15th of July. We have Soul Fest, which used to be sold in the city. Yeah. You're well aware of that one, PJ. Um, and actually, we're my other colleague is in the middle of a photo shoot right now because we're about to launch the the, the booking dates for it. So, you know, the, that's kind of our ethos. We want city the city to be, I Bouncing. suppose, a wonderful place to live, experience culture, and just to be able to enjoy your life. It doesn't always have to be the daily grind. It's true, isn't it? It's true, it's true. And and I, I'm going to head down there for, for Dead Rocks. That's going to be so much fun. And fair play to the corporal for all that they are doing for us this summer. Uh, because uh, we uh, had And now, yeah. PJ, I have to interrupt you, because if you're coming down, you have to prepare your best dad joke. Oh, I, I know, know for Reggie. Yeah, Reggie is going to be emceeing the best dad joke competition. Now, there will be an obstacle course, so I would like to see you. An obstacle course? Ah, come on! With my neck! <laughs> now, no, it's going to be very safe. I'm all about health and safety. Um, but if we're actually getting a bit of a help from uh, the guys in the sports and sustainability section in Cork City Council. Right. And they're giving us their smoothie bikes. And there'll be amazing prizes on offer on the day as well. All a bit of fun. The parents, children, you know, everybody can get involved. Mm, um, I'll bring my air guitar, will I? I? There will be an air guitar competition, <laughs> PJ. And in, on top of that, the best dad dancing competition. Oh, so no. I can't wait to see no, your move. No, you see, I, 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 after all my years as a DJ, I stay behind the deck. I don't come out. Ah, no, come on. I, I've seen you do some moves on the dance floor. <laughs> yeah, I know, but there was drink taken. You know, I'm just... <laughs> well, this is all about healthy living now and we're going to 
do all the dancing yeah. with any drink taken and we're going to just have a great time. The, 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 really Sadiq, the, Sadiq, the Sadiq can of cork may well emerge at this dead dancing competition. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Sinead, great talking to you. Sinead Dunphy uh, from uh, Eventi Management. The Dead Festival. It's Dead Rocks Family Fun Day at, at the Marine Market. I was, as I said, was down there and it's just... I remember going down when they opened it up and wandering down of a Sunday morning and it was a kind of a couple of little coffee stalls and a few fellas doing falafels and things like that. It has grown into just the most incredible place to go for your lunch or a bit of music or a wonder. And as you go in there, I don't know who they are. I, I can't actually shamelessly plug them because I don't know who they are. But there's a little burger stall just as you go in from the car park. You go in and on the left, on the right hand side, there's a little burger stall. Oh my God, lads, the best. And I say this with her, and I said to the wife, I, I looked up out of me burger box and I said, sort of showering her in my dinner, I said, this is the best burger I have ever eaten in Ireland in my entire life. Down at the Marina Market. It's a great place. Now, the council involved in all sorts of different things this summer. Uh, just a really jam-packed programme of stuff. And it is great, as I was saying to Sinead, that we can come back after two years. Remember the summer of 2020 was the great summer of nothing and 2021 wasn't much better. It was better but not much. But we're back in 2022 now. We're back in, absolutely back in in full effect and there's all sorts of different things happening including the Cork Pops Orchestra getting up to their usual tricks and they have a programme of events happening across the next couple of weeks. Jerry Kelly, how are you Jer? Good morning, PJ. Long time, no speak, no isn't see, no just, nothing. Isn't it just, I was just saying, the great summer of nothing and the great summer of just slightly less than nothing. Of, of less, yeah. You know. <laughs> no, but it is, it is amazing. I have to take my hat off to uh, Michelle Carew and Trish Murphy and the crew inside in City Hall because they have got us all out working and all sorts of kind of different projects, things that we haven't done before. Like we've got involved with the Lantern Project in Nanonagel Place and we'll come together with uh, the High Hopes Choir and Corna Lee. And then we'll get involved with their Music for Wellbeing Project. And uh, we're going to do some hip-hop with Raphael Olympia from the Cork Cork Migrant Centre. Hip-hop on a cello. I know. Yeah, you won't believe it. But we had actually experimented with some of this before uh, the pandemic with DJ Dashka. Right. And uh, so we've discovered ways of, 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 you know, at my age, becoming cool is a, is a bit strange. Yeah, you see, Jerry, I, I, have, I, haven't, I haven't met you in a while, but I, I have this vision of you there with, with cello and the kind of tweed jacket and, and the... And you go the dicky hip, bow, even, The dicky perhaps. bow and doing hip-hop. This is a picture that I cannot get out of my head and I can't wait to see it live. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> it's it's great. It's great fun. The other thing that we've done is we've uh, put together a whole project for care homes and primary schools. Wow. So um, the care home concerts have been just amazing, like very, very moving emotionally, like people in care homes were being so well protected that they weren't seeing anybody, you know, and. Um, so the impact when you go in with a quartet into a care home and start to play some music, like uh, it triggers all sorts of memories, all sorts of emotions, um, like stunning. Like we would have met, say, some of our audiences from, say, Lord Mayor's concerts in the 90s and 
the early noughties who are now um, in care homes and then who hadn't seen what I call strangers for three years. Like they were eventually seeing their family, you know, outside the window, Mm. that kind of thing. Uh, Strangely enough, I befriended an American lady who unfortunately has since passed away, but in the early pandemic, uh, in a care home, she was the, the mother-in-law of a buddy of mine from the 70s. And I just discovered that she was stuck here in Ireland. And I used to go down and just jump up and down and show her videos of my grandchild just to, you know, to kind of kill the boredom. Yeah. Uh, but the music, the response to music has just been absolutely stunning in the care homes. You've got a very big programme right up to the end of, of June or close to the end of June. Where can we get to see you, say, in public, as in just wander up and there you are? Yeah, well, the simplest one will be the, the Joy in the Park one that we're doing on the 17th of July. And it's a great pleasure that we're actually playing on the John McCarthy ah. stage. Like you remember, our because like, I know you were also a very good friend, John McCarthy, like I can remember all the what was it called mad pride that he used to run in That's in right. the park and opened up the whole discussion oh what just happened to Jerry's line Jerry's line just dropped there like a stone Fergal whatever happened I, I would see if we can get him back just to remind you as well regard to music all of the music from all of the festivals like Live at the Marquee, which is on at the moment, and the Musgrave Park, which is coming up later this month, and Elton John, and all the festivals from up and around the country. It's back. We, we didn't have any festivals the last couple of summers, so we put up the Back Garden Festival, put together on the Cork's 96FM app. Well, it is back again, uh, the exclusive online station, the Back Garden Festival, streaming the biggest hits from all the headline acts of the summer with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. Streaming online now and right across the summer. Listen to the app or go to 96fm.ie. Let's go with Jerry again. You're, you're back. Sorry, PJ. I don't know what happened there. No, you're okay. So you had you, you, the it, best events. I'd to, say that was John. I'd say that was John McCarthy. Could, could well have been. Could well have been. The best events to come and find you and hear you. Yeah, well, the, the, the one that will have the biggest audience will obviously be the one, the Joy in the Park on the 17th of yes. July, you know, which is going to be a great event, like Keela, uh, Punches Pilot and the Nail Drivers, John Spillane, Cork Circus Factory, all sorts of things. And that's a big family, a big family day. And yeah. it will be obviously uh, a, a, a great one. The, our other events tend to be smaller because we're playing in primary school. So that will be to the actual schools themselves. And obviously when we're in the care homes, some of the families come along to some of those concerts as well. Okay, you can turn up. You can turn up anywhere with the car pop socks. So just briefly, Jerry, before I let you go, and like I said, it's it's a long time since we talked. But one thing I observed recently was that, well, for, certainly for me personally, in the dark days of the pandemic, when news every day just got worse and worse, and there was nothing going on, music sustained me mentally. Yeah, I mean, I have to. To, to agree with you on that, like the actual response now to everything that we do live, like we did a gig during the pandemic um, in Collins for Siobhan O'Dowd, uh, it was a kind of a music for the brain. And um, what we did was we got into Collins at 10 o'clock in the morning and did a 10 o'clock concert for older people, another one at 12 o'clock. And then we took ourselves up to the Olimax the following Saturday. But the singing and the participation in everything was it, it, like very, very emotional. You know, yeah. you really had to, I had to get a hold of myself 
um, you know, just to stay focused. Yeah, the, the value the value of music. I think if we if we if we looked back on nothing in our lives over the last two years, the value of music in our lives. Jerry Kelly, thanks, and uh, good luck with everything that the Cork Pops Orchestra. They're brilliant. They are brilliant. If you get a chance to see them anywhere, the Cork Pops Orchestra uh, over the next month they're running right up with the program events until the twenty second of June. And yeah, we are kind of talking uh, council-backed events up an awful lot today on the program because there's an awful lot of them and to be fair after two years of nothing after one summer where we had absolutely nothing and the next summer when we had almost nothing now we are falling over ourselves with stuff to do across the summer and we'll bring you up to speed um, with as much as we can of it when we can uh, on the opinion line something else that sustained us during the last couple of years and that we can now go and enjoy live again was comedy um, just finding a reason to laugh at stuff, laugh at ourselves laugh at society, laugh at the world and uh, for Tom O'Mahony, Tom the Bear this week just gone or the fortnight just gone Tom, supporting the two Johnnies at the Marquee, was that the biggest audience you've ever had? Morning It was Good morning. How are you? Uh, yeah. Do you know what? It was close to, I had just, the week previous, or the fortnight previous to that, I was in the Three Arena right. um, for their other show. But to be fair, the Three Arena, you see about 40 people's eyes, and then the rest is just darkness. So the marquee felt bigger, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. It's it's a huge venue. And, and stand-up... You, club stand up is to a small crowd and a, a big area it's a big, is, there, is there a difference in, in holding the audience for the time you're on stage uh, there is in fairness I mean what you're trying to do basically is, is project to the back room which you see I did a lot of panto with the University Concert Hall in Limerick yeah. so that believe it or not kind of lent itself to it so your jokes kind of have to be much bigger and grander than Mm. the nice tight little setup of a comedy club you know that kind of way yeah yeah and as well as that the fella that you pick out like the, the poor old Dale that you picked on at one of your shows yeah <laughs> <laughs> I would advise people to not the one you're on about don't yeah maybe maybe don't have uh, little ears in the room if no you're gonna, you no know, small, if you're going to look no for that clip that you're talking that about one, but I was sitting there going oh just let the man alone will you just let him alone <laughs> On that particular one, PJ, yeah. that guy had been looking for it for five minutes. So I was like, "All right, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give go. it to you." Don't, don't, don't heckle if you can't take what's coming back to you. Interaction you with the crowd, though, Tom. Like, you, you, a lot of stuff you talk about is very, very current. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that's like what's that's on your the mind idea. at the moment. Well, I mean, brilliantly, well, brilliantly, I say, but between myself, yourself and the people listening, herself's passport has not, uh, is not making its way through through yet. Mm-hmm. So we haven't booked anything. So things are getting, in my eyes, getting cheaper because we haven't booked a holiday yet. So we're going to now have to book one much later in the year. Right. <laughs> but don't tell anybody, OK? But right now, yeah, I mean, you've got the passport situation. And of course, heaven forbid that we'd have to end up flying out of Dublin airport because that ain't happening. I well, don't do well in airports, even though I travel through them a lot yeah. um, with comedy and whatnot. But Dublin Airport, I may never, if I never have to darken the door of the place again, please God, I won't have to. I'll just stick to tiny little ones. Maybe if I could just find find some place I can fly out and knock or something like that. Yeah. Or out of well, carry, no, Cork would be nice ideal. now. Cork is nice. Cork right? is beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. It's lovely. Flying to Cork, flying to another tiny little airport where it's just one bloke who flew the plane is taking your bags off as well. Do you know that kind of I way? Know that's, that's what four. you want. 
Yes, Baron Four. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. It's, and he's hurry up and hurry up! Station. I have a toilet to clean. You know. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you want soup and sandwiches on the flight? Yeah, because you're not getting them. Come here. The, the figures that are around us, the the people in the news, they are meat and drink to to comedians, particularly when I mean, like, is there's eating and drinking in Boris Johnson. Isn't it? Yes, it is. And, and even sometimes it, it nearly writes itself so you don't come across that clever. You ha- you're trying to write clever things, but then all of a sudden he just comes out with something. You're looking at going, good Lord. But I mean, you can't, I can't resist it. When I gig in the UK, you can't resist it because he, you know, he, you look at him and you go, well, of course he partied during lockdown. Of course he did. Look at him. He's every bloke that was in college that we all knew that would rock up with two bottles of Buckfast under his arms on a Monday night. Go on, lads, party on. You know, he, that's who he is. Yeah. He, like, he's never brushed the hair, doesn't doesn't care if it's just a kind of foppish, eaten, yeah. born or eaten, raised. And, and still who, went on to get a first-class honours. They were the most annoying oh. type. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, at the same time, first-class honours, you know, who's marking that paper, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Pop Air One, I'd say, was marked by, I'd say, Daddy's best friend. I'd say, if your daddy's a lord, I think you're going to be fine. <laughs> and I'm sure you were watching the, the Jubilee. I mean, there must be, again, meat and drink in that. The, the phenomenal thing about the Jubilee, well, I mean, the brilliant thing about the Jubilee for the British is it was a brilliant time to paper over the cracks of Old Boris and the lads' party and, like, and people having scraps and everything at their house. So, I mean, that was a great idea and a great stroke of luck. But what, what struck me was the week before the Jubilee when... Prince Charles was doing the, the, the Queen's speech to Parliament. Mm. That's what struck me. It was, you know, when they give the whole, well, this is what we'd like to see from you guys during, throughout the year. And this guy is sitting there dripping in gold on a gold chair in front of a gold wall, speaking to multimillionaire lords, telling them that, <laughs> that his mummy would like to see poor people get some more money throughout, <laughs> throughout the year. And you're like, really? How about you just sell the chair? Yeah, and, and we can start and, there. And, and, and let's, not mention, let's not mention the uncle. Um, oh, Lord, the man that doesn't sweat, apparently. Wasn't that the most appropriate antigen test ever handed to a human being? How, how what a stroke of bad luck slash good luck to just happen. Got his two lines. I mean, amazing, amazing that he got his two red lines right around the Jubilee time. I wonder yeah. what the reaction was. He, he, I mean, he, he, he wasn't sweating then, even if he did have a temperature. But the rest of them were probably going, oh, thanks be to God. Offer, listen. I mean, he, you'd be guaranteed whether he didn't have COVID or not, there was 10 COVID people put around him coughing into his face to <laughs> be prior just to get that over the line. You guaranteed. Guaranteed. Uh, I know, I know. The, you know what? And you're in the comedy club Saturday and tickets on sale for 20 euros. You know, I guess, Tom, these days an artist like yourself really appreciates even more the fact with the cost of living that someone put their hands in their pocket and shell out 20 quid. You've no idea. You've no idea. Literally, one by one, people are shaking their hands and everything, walking out. They go, "Thank you very much." Like, and not just that, but all, I suppose the two years of not seeing people, the absolute appreciation I have for people, and we all do really. From what I can, from chatting to other comedians, like the, the fact that people will come out, dig their hand in their pocket to enjoy a good time. But so you really do. And I'm not saying that we, I'm, I'm better or whatever, but I definitely put an extra bit of sauce on the on the comedy for people. 
yeah. as an appreciation. You know, like yeah. I don't mind going a bit longer. I don't mind having a play with people. Like, because also you find people are a bit chatty now because they've been in locked indoors talking to the television for two years. So yeah. there's a bit. It's a bit, the dynamic has changed a bit. But yeah, I mean, with the price of everything, the price of diesel, even to get to a gig these days, the, the appreciation levels are through the roof right now. Yeah, and I guess I, I, look, our our own Ross Brown does his own stand-up and I've asked him about this before what's it like when you stand up there and you've written this and you've practiced it and you've set it into the mirror and you've bounced it off your missus and you stand up and you open your mouth and people start to laugh what's that feel like Tom? It's almost yeah it's absolutely undescribable think of the coolest most fun thing you've ever done that maybe only lasted a couple of seconds like you know what I mean you did a I don't know, whatever whatever you did, and you just enjoyed it so much. Mm. Imagine that going on for an hour continuously. Is it like losing your virginity that, over and over again? <laughs> it wasn't as spectacular, to be honest with you. But <laughs> it is the greatest job in the world, and I've had a lot of cool jobs. I used to teach people how to drive Ferraris, and it doesn't what? even... Yeah, yeah, I know, but that's for a whole other show. <laughs> no, no, I need more on this because uh, my 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 daughter is a, a Formula One fan, and she'll have heard Ferraris. Hang on, when did you yeah, teach people yeah, to drive yeah. Ferraris? Yeah, it was a couple of years back. I used to do work for this English company, and uh, they they had a bunch of Ferraris and Lamborghinis here in Ireland, and I used to kind of look after the the, the set. And what the idea was that people would buy a present, you know, at Father's Day or whatever, and you'd get taught to drive out of drive a Ferrari. And I'd be the guy you'd meet, and I would take you for a spin in a Ferrari, let you drive it, and uh, loads of photographs and lots of happy memories later. It sounds very flashy, but to be fair, you're kind of avoiding death at least 12 times a day. You know that kind of way. You are. Because you're talking about a 500-horsepower car. Like, you, you know, are. So, and and a, fellow yeah, who, yeah. a fellow who's you, who drove a Nissan Micra in... And yeah, oh, he rocks up and he's got all the statistics, you know what I mean? He thinks he's Jeremy Clarkson, he sits <laughs> in with his driving gloves, you know you're in for a treat. There's material in that alone. Listen, Tom the Bear of Manny appearing at the Comedy Club and City Limits this Saturday, June 11th. Uh, tickets, 20 euros on sale now and stretch from supporting the two Johnnies at the Marquee. Tom, thanks ever so much and good luck with the gig at the weekend and good luck with future gigs. Uh, Mags says she was at uh, John Bishop at the Marquee. He was brilliant. Uh, very, very, very funny. Yeah, I, I missed it. I, I knew it was on and I was half thinking, I'm going to see Tommy at the Marquee uh, later in the season and I'm so looking forward to that. Um, because uh, to me, Tommy is just up there. But at uh, I was watching, go and have a look at, at Tom the Bear's videos. But like that, keep the smallies out of the room. There are bold words. It's fun though. I need to go through one or two more things before I finish today. Uh, I, I had, yeah, on the cost of living, and we were talking to Mary Lou McDonald about what they would do. And what, you know, could you cut that? Could you, could you cut USC? You know, European Union says we can't cut that. Spain have decided to just go and do it and say, we'll deal with you later, Mr. and Mr. EU. I was putting that to Mary Lou. She wasn't inclined to be pushed on it. Um, Spain have certainly done it. And they say, look, we'll, we'll deal with you later. But right now we're looking after our people. Um, Kevin was saying, I hate this word can't. When it comes to taxation, uh, what's the real term cut to somebody on a minimum wage when you factor in inflation, let alone anybody on a fixed income? And you're not wrong. 
Kev, and I just wanted to finish the programme with it because it's something that is probably going to uh, drag itself right through into next week and the weeks after that and the weeks after that. You're listening to Highlights from the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.